You're listening to If You Only Knew on 97.9 The Hill. Dr. Deborah Stroman brings you stimulating sports and society discussions with some of the biggest influencing forces in sports and sports business. From athletes to owners, If You Only Knew covers all the bases with informative and engaging content from end zone to end zone. Happy to be back talking with Chi and Wugu, known as the Wizard. We're going to talk UNC women's basketball. We're going to talk women's basketball in general. And certainly, as we move closer to March, things are heating up. We're seeing the pressure on the coaches. We're seeing the pressure on these teams that are expected to be uh, the top of their league and top of the uh, general rankings. Chi, let's talk UNC women's basketball and do a deep dive with where they are right now. Uh, They got us all excited, looking like they were going to compete for one, two, three spots. And then they kind of faltered a bit. And then they faltered really, really badly. And now they're trying to turn things around. I think they have two wins in a row. Uh, But what's your take on UNC women's basketball from the players' perspective? And then we'll talk about coaching. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about how it was going to be really tough in the ACC, which is every every game being a a tough battle with with so much, so many um, high-octane teams. I think for UNC, UNC really relies on making three-point shots. So I think for them, when Lexi Donowski is not making her three-point shots, right, when Deja Kelly might not be making her three-point shots, um, they really struggle scoring points. So I think for them, big picture is how do we score points if Deja is not giving us 20 points or if, if our threes aren't falling? And that's something which they, they need to really um, look at some more and, and how they can keep up with, I think, teams which will put up 70 points per game, right? If, if, if UNC can't score 70 points in the game, they'll have a tough time winning. So I think that's that to me is the biggest thing, the offensive um, lack of versatility. No doubt. And I think we have to take a look at the roster. I don't believe in coaches saying that, well, my team is injured. I've lost a lot of players. You've got a next person has to step up. And so mm-hmm. I don't think that's an excuse at this level. Now, when you have a, you know, a superstar, you know, greatest ever type player on your team and they go out, no doubt it affects your team, your, uh, you know, where you're going to end up. But when you have a team, when you have a lot of the talent is very, very similar, um, you've got to have the next person show up. And I know, you know, having um, the point guards, you know, whether it's Paulina Paris, uh, whether it's Renaya Kelly, uh, whether it's Kayla McPherson, I mean, she really, really has a tough situation in the point guard situ- in in the point guard position uh, with these yeah. injuries and whatever else is going on. But you still have to step up. Agree? I agree, and and I, I think I think the roster has the talent. I think um, I think we've seen India Navar, who has been the sixth or seventh person in, in the rotation. Like we've, we've seen her in, in different games step up, but we've seen her also have a game where she goes. Oh, for six, right? Like she did against Wake Forest. And so I think, well, and goes one for four from the free throw line. So it's really a thing where um, I, I think trying to figure out what, what this team's identity is going to be um, in ACC play, right? Do we play through the post and maybe try to have Maria Gok then be more involved, right? And play inside out, right? Do we try to run more? Uh, pick and rolls with Deja Kelly and Alyssa Utsby to kind of generate some more two-man plays. So I think that's where um, we'll, we'll see what what will be made from an adjustment standpoint, but I think there is enough talent on this roster to be a bit more versatile on offense. 
No doubt. So let's talk about versatility, because when Deja Kelly came into the season, uh, all eyes on her, uh, mm -hmm. some of it due to no doubt her play, uh, but also due to her. She's very beautiful. Uh, she has a game that is inside outside um, mm -hmm. and she's had success her first, what, three years. Mm -hmm. But the point is now, and especially when you think about the possibilities her, of her going to the next level and playing professionally, her outside shot is still questionable. And so there was a lot of pressure coming into this season that you have to prove that you can shoot uh, from the three-pointer. And yet we've seen her be very, very inconsistent. And it's really hard to become uh, a good shooter in the middle of a season. This is the type of work that happens in the offseason. And so now with the point guards out and her having to handle the ball more, which adds uh, more uh, pressure uh, because you're tired, you have to basically be the captain on the court and make sure people in the right positions calling plays. And I think this is just added to the pressure of her making outside shots. Uh, what's your take on Deja Kelly this season and whether or not she can really uh, do what needs to be done to have a good showing in the in, in March and in ACC tournament? Yeah, I, I will give Deja lots of credit. I mean, I, I think if we take away um, the game against Wake Forest, which I think overall UNC struggled in that game against Wake, I think Deja has been it has it has improved in terms of one getting to a free throw line. Right, I think for her, she has to understand that if she can't knock down the three, get to the basket, draw fouls, right, and 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 have the game slow down that way. So she took, I believe, ten free throws against Wake. 11 against Pitt, 7 against Duke, 14 against Virginia Tech, right? So she's taken tons of free throws and she's getting to get into a lot, which is great. I, I think for her, it's it's really more about how can I also um, help my teammates get involved in the flow of the game, right? I, I think when teams want to double Deja Kelly, make that first quick pass, right? Or enough from that point, we cut and, and, and get back to the action. So I think it's it's understand that all eyes are on her as a ball handler, so she has to make quick decisions. Um, and also, like I said before, get to her free throw line. If if she can get to her free throw line, it's, it's make sure she gets her points that way. I'm okay with her taking five threes and making one or two per game. That's okay. You, you gotta take those three pointers to kind of keep the defense honest. But you can't take ten threes in one game and make two. Right? That's where I think she, she can't get to that point. And to her credit, she has not taken more than six threes, I think, all season long, or seven threes all season long. So she is being mindful of her sauce selection. But I think going forward, keep getting to her free throw line, Deja. Keep doing that. Well, let's talk about my favorite player is Alyssa Utsby. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, everybody has documented, made comments about her being uh, a tweener, as in to make it to the next level, it's going to be very, very challenging because she plays – uh, like a post, but she's really in a guard's body. She's mm -hmm. very physical. Um, do, she does whatever she can to help her team. Uh, but she's it's it's a tough matchup for her when she goes against against these teams with really really mobile tall post players. Um, and then when we talk about free throw shooting, um, she's struggling. Um, the team overall, some people would say sixty eight percent, sixty nine percent is not a good free throw free throw. Uh, percentage for a team. Uh, but someone who gets to the line a lot, like Deja Kelly, she's shooting, what, about 71%. But -hmm. let's talk about Alyssa Usby, because when we need a bucket, it's Alyssa or Deja who's generally going to get that final shot. Uh, mm -hmm. But yet, 
it's going to be, it's just going to get tougher and tougher for her. And again, I love the hustle. She's shooting what nearly 49% from the floor, but March is going to be challenging for Carolina because of the, the size for Alyssa. Yeah, it, it will be. And I, I think that's where I think once again, Maria Gokdeng is, is it's, it's to me the X factor for this team when she is engaged and when they can run lots of high-low action with her and Alyssa Usby, that, that to me is what USC is at its best, right? Being very wise about knowing that um, you have a great passer, Alyssa Usby, a tremendous passer, right? And so I think trying to use her um, use her skills on the court to help her teammates out is 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 what I think this team needs to do more often. Um, I, I think Alyssa does a great job of getting to the paint, but at times when she gets to the paint, she'll she'll pick up her dribble, and then she either gets trapped or she then takes a very tough shot. Uh, I think, yes, get to a paint, but have a plan to, okay, I'm going to get to a paint, draw a double team, and then from that point, find Maria down by that paint. I'm going to get to a paint and draw a double team and kick it to uh, Lexi, right, who will make one more pass to extra open shooters. So I think for her, just trying to be more aware that once she gets to a paint, um, it, it's not always going to be a shot. It has to be a way to get the offense going. I think if she keeps doing that, uh, I think her game is just fine. I agree that the free throw shooting is something which has to be worked on, and, and we've talked about that from day one with this team. Um, I, I, I just hope that in the biggest of games, it will not be something which will bite them um, where it will really hurt in terms of uh, win or loss. We're talking to Chi, the wizard, talking UNC women's basketball on 97.9 The Hill. You're listening to If You Only Knew on 97.9 The Hill. Here's Dr. Deborah Stroman. We're talking women's basketball with Chi and Wugo, also known as the Wizard. Chi, UNC women's basketball definitely has to win. They really need to win these last games, especially the home games. But it is mm -hmm. tough. There's no doubt. Uh, but let's put UNC women's basketball in perspective with the very, very good ACC. Um, you know, Louisville's doing it, Notre Dame, uh, Syracuse. I mean, Deja Fair, yep. I mean, just a baller. Uh, and of course, we can't forget about NC State and uh, Duke. So what's your take, UNC women's basketball, considering the league? Yeah, I, I would say to be, I mean, we, we've talked about being the goal to be top four, right? And obviously, ideally win the whole entire league. Um and right now, UNC is sixth, um, seventh in the league, um, but one game out of that four, that four spot behind Louisville at ten and four. So it's, I mean, the, the, the league is tough. And I think I think UNC has done a good job of winning some big games, in in in, in this league. Um, but the games, the Virginia game, right? That's a game you can't lose, in my opinion. Yes, Virginia is a tough team, but um, if you want to be a serious contender, you can't lose to. Um, Virginia this season. So I think the, a loss like that will probably in the end come back and bite them. Um, but I think overall they've held up quite well. Um, Virginia Tech is first in the league right now. I think UNC could have beat them um, at home um, in that game they played a few weeks ago. That's that's the loss, which I think once again, the look back and said, no, we had that game. Um, it was an overtime loss to Virginia Tech, but really I felt like UNC um, had a chance to pull up a huge Huge home victory. So overall, I think if you told them there will be 
a game behind the fourth spot at this point, they'll be okay with that. But I think if you told them that they will lose to Virginia um, and then lose lose back-to-back -back close games to NC State and Virginia Tech, um, it would definitely bite. Well, there's no doubt, and I really don't understand on the men's side how the ACC men, all of a sudden, we don't uh, have a guarantee four teams, five teams. Uh, but the women's side, uh, the respect is there. And I would not be surprised to see six, seven uh, teams make it to March Madness uh, because of the quality. And of course, for me, I look at the coaching and we have some amazing Hall of Fame coaches that have retired, but have turned it over to coaches that look like they're going to be great, great coaches for our league. But when you think about how this is all happening, you know, NC State just continues to reload. Uh, there is a number one player. I think her last name is Strong. Um, in Sanford, who's considering NC State. Uh, I mean, like the number one player in the country. <laughs> uh, it's down to NC State and, and South Carolina. So if they get her, uh, NC State is going to continue to be great. Um, you know, Lou, excuse me, Notre Dame, uh, the coaching there, uh, Ivy, she's uh, followed Muff McGraw, and she's uh -huh. just continuing and has a great uh, first-year player who will probably be an All-American um, I mean, it just goes on and on. I can never say enough about Jeff Waltz down at Louisville. Uh, but when I think about the coaching staff we here, have here, Coach Bankhart's in her fifth year. And I think I think I heard it in her words, if it wasn't stated explicitly, that she's got a lot of pressure. No doubt she's got the extension. But UNC women's basketball, the program, the fans, there's an expectation that we will compete for um, top spots, as in top four, top two. And Courtney Banghart and her staff is yet to do that. Uh, maybe this is the year to do something special in the ACC tournament, uh, but it's a tough league, but this is what these coaches signed up for. Yeah, I mean, next three games, NC State at home, um, Virginia Tech on the road, Boston College should be a win, and then, of course, you have Duke, which is always going to be a toss-up rivalry game. So, yeah, it's it's a tough schedule down the stretch, but I think overall this has been a very, very tough league to play in. So even if they went nine and eight in the conference, right, I, I still think they make the, the the big dance. I have right now I have eight teams from ACC making it to the um the field of sixty four. And so I think UNC is pretty safe in the, in the in the bigger picture. The question is how far of a run can they make, right, with this current roster looking at the bigger landscape of women's college basketball. No doubt. And when we think about women's college basketball, we have to think about Dawn Staley and mm -hmm. what she's done at South Carolina. I think um, I'm going to say this on the air, but it's kind of like how NC State, great, great university, but still oftentimes comes across as the little sister or um, Carolina gets everything. And, you know, we're great, too. And it's a kind of the same thing with South Carolina and North Carolina. South Carolina, again, great university, but yet they feel like North Carolina gets everything. And so mm -hmm. when they have a chance to play the Tar Heels, it's like circled on the schedule. Um, I've had someone say to me that, and you might agree with this, that UNC should have beaten South Carolina last year, this year. And I say no. Uh, I think what Dawn Staley has done, not only with the talent, but the coaching, uh, and how she just retools, they are at the next level. Will games be close because of the rivalry? Absolutely. But I still believe that Dawn Staley has put together something special down in Columbia. Yeah, the, the culture um, 
is, is very much different in South Carolina. I think you have players who all know their role on that team. And so, like you mentioned earlier, right, that next person up mentality, that is for sure what they have down there in South Carolina. Um, we saw the game where um, Cardoso missed the game. Um, and then um, I believe their backup, um, I think the last name is Watkins, came in and had probably the best game I've seen a big have all season long. It's being active in the court, um, doing a lot in terms of playmaking, right? Um, so I, I think that team is completely completely geared up to make a very deep run. I think it's always great to see. Um, I think a coach like Don Staley, not just as a coach, but someone who's just a great human being off the court. I think she's someone who wish anytime she goes to the away game, she's always going to come out and talk to fans and greet the fans. Um, so I'm I'm just impressed by her as a human being. But as a, as a basketball coach, there's no question that she is um, the best basketball coach in the country right now. We're talking women's basketball with Chi, the wizard. We'll be right back if you only knew. You're listening to If You Only Knew on 97.9 The Hill. Here's Dr. Deborah Stroman. There was a lot of talk over All-Star Weekend about gender, gender equity. And that started with the NBA, WNBA promoting an amazing contest of three-point shooting with Steph Curry, arguably the greatest shooter ever, and Sabrina Anuska with the Washington, excuse me, with the WNBA Liberty. And Kenny the Jets Smith, UNC great, made the comment, which created a lot of noise in basketball circles, that possibly Sabrina was cheated in the sense she should have shot from the WNBA line, which is closer to the basket. What's your take on that, G? Yeah, I guess number one, my take is that I really enjoyed watching Steph and Sabrina go at it. I think it was a great event um, for just basketball fans in general. I, I think Kenny's comments, um, I believe, is, is a time and a place, right? So I think Kenny making that comment right after Steph had just won, right? It was like it was it was in the moment of us trying to celebrate the whole time event. So him making the event more about right this this thing about how she should have shot from, from the women's three point line, I think was a point that could have been made maybe the next day, right? As we kind of recap the event and throw about how we can make it better for next year or how we can maybe have Steph come to the WNBA All-Star game and do the same thing, but this time shoot from a women's line, right? Maybe we talk about, okay, how do you find a mutual site? Let's have that dialogue. But I felt like in the moment of the event taking place, uh, we should have talked about how phenomenal Sabrina did, how she made 20, how she, how she got 26 points, right? Which would have won the men's contest early, early that day. So I think it was more about the timing and how each time a woman does something great, there's always a but, right? A but this, but that. Um, one, this is recognize what she did and, and be happy for both her and Steph and say, okay, how can we get better next time, right? In the future. And, and not talk about in the moment uh, what was wrong about the event. Well stated. Uh, the other chatter was Jay Williams, Duke, great, who made the comment about Caitlin Clark not being great because mm -hmm. she didn't win rings. She doesn't have championships yet, uh, which to me is just so absurd because there are so many great basketball players who haven't won a national championship, college yeah. or pro. And to think that he would boil it down to that, there's a big difference between GOAT and the greatest ever and then being great. Caitlin Clark is, is great. She broke yeah. the scoring record. 
Yeah, it's it's. I, I think Jay's point was just wasn't. It, it didn't make sense. He named players who played for UConn, and UConn has always had stacked teams. And so, to to win a UConn championship is expected, right? But to be someone who like Caitlin Clark was born in Iowa, is is Iowa bred, and so she chose to go to her hometown college, right? And so if if she was born in uh, no in Boston, or she was born in Connecticut, she probably goes to UConn, right, and wins. UConn back to back to back to back championships, but I think you can't deny how great she has been. Um, I mean, for the game of women's basketball, for the game of basketball across the board in terms of AAU from her time when she played for Iowa Elite to now in college, right, and playing from freshman year, averaging twenty six and I believe eight, um, being the first player to ever lead the lead college basketball in both points and assists in the season, right, um, the first one to win best point guard and back-to-back seasons. I mean, she has done so many things, which I think we need to recognize. I think she is always in big moments. She stepped up. I think that's what makes greatness, right? The fact that she broke the record by taking a three-point shot from basically half court after scoring the first eight points of the game, that's that's just, that's remarkable. So I think um, let's not take away from what she's done because she hasn't won a ring or won a championship. Um, if, she, if she chose to go to UConn or, or chose to go to a stacked team, she probably wins one by now, but she's doing things her own way. Let's 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 respect that and also praise her for that. Um, while still saying, yeah, her team hasn't won yet. That's fine, but she's still a great player. No doubt. Women's basketball. Hopefully, everyone is continuing to watch this great game, looking at the amazing attendance that we're seeing all across the country. Stay tuned for more on If You Only Knew. We're talking women's basketball all season. Thanks again to Chi the Wizard for being with us today. You've been listening to If You Only Knew on 97.9 The Hill with Dr. Deborah Stroman. You can listen to all episodes at chapelboro.com slash if you only knew.